delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us again. Another big year coming up, our 19th year of presenting On The Grid. And we really look forward to this one being a massive year as it should be. Very shortly, we're going to catch up with some F1 drivers. We're going to catch up with Oscar Piastri, who isn't an F1 driver yet, but he is of sort, of course. He will uh, get a chance at some point, we would think. Mark Webber joins us as well, as does Tim Schenken for a chat. And we'll catch up with Mark Walker and Richard Crowell as well to go through all the stories of the past six or so weeks since we've had our break. It's going to be a massive show coming up right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Well, it was great to be at Albert Park a couple of weeks ago when Oscar Piastri received his second Sir Jack Brabham Award for being Australia's best motor racing driver two years consecutively. What a great effort by him. He's going to be part of Formula One, of course, this year. Formula One back at Albert Park. And we were down at Albert Park for a bit of a chat with Oscar Piastri. Mark Webber was there also. We caught up with him. But let's kick off our conversation with a man who was, well, until recently, until last year, the race director for Supercars. He's been around for a long time. An ex-Formula One driver himself. Of course, we speak of Tim Schenken. Can Tim, congratulations on what has become the end of a career, I suppose, first of all as a driver and then as a, a, a steward and uh, operations manager and the like. It's been an amazing ride. Yeah, not quite the end, though. Not quite okay, the good. end. Um, I'll continue here at the Grand Prix. I'm chairman of the organising committee and uh, clerk of the course, so I'll continue here. But uh, and I, I do lots of other work for Motorsport Australia and the FIA, so it keeps me going. It, it keeps me above the grass. Was it a tough decision to make? Oh, it was, but I mean, the time had come. The time had come. You know, I'm 79 this year, um, so the time had come. And um, so, there's move over. Yeah. You've uh, had some fantastic protégés come through. One you must be so proud of is Michael Massey. Absolutely, yes. But I mean, you know, Michael was a bright boy anyway. He, he understands the sport, understands the business and uh, yes, he's, uh, he's the right man for the Formula One job, no question about that. Yep. And James will step into your shoes? Yes, James, yeah, James will and there's another one behind him so we need to have a succession plan and I mean that, that, that's been lacking I have to say with supercars in having a succession plan. Michael was the successor but then he moved on but that took a while to get into place and uh, it's finding the next person so James Taylor's the next one. Speaking of supercars, have we made the rules just a little bit tougher for ourselves? There seems to be a lot of congestion about a lot of decisions that get made not just inside but outside as well. Do they need to be simplified just a bit? Well, I think it's the nature of sport, whether you follow football or cricket or golf, or perhaps not golf is very stable, but um, it, it's the nature of sport, and it's what the fans are passionate about and decisions which they favour one car or one driver over another driver, not deliberately, of course, it just is the way it goes, um, has the fans either up in arms or cheering. And you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? Exactly, exactly. It'd be boring. <laughs> right, exactly yeah. right. You've remained a, a motor racing fan right throughout your life. Uh, Formula One, especially last year, was just probably one of the better years that we've had for a long time. I was up for every Grand Prix last year, set the alarm, didn't matter what time it was. Also, I was watched uh, qualifying and all the, all the uh, practice sessions as well. Yes, it was an incredible year, and I think it's building up to be another incredible year. Whilst you've got Max and Lewis, and I'll be surprised if Lewis stops, he won't stop, but got Max and Lewis head-to-head, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good year. If anyone thinks that anything will change due to new cars, they've probably got rocks in their head. I mean, the, the cream will still rise to the top. Well, we have to see. Um, you know, the the the, the, the um, thought and, and uh, effort that went into changing the car so that there's less aerodynamic effect on a following car uh, has been a lot of time, a lot of money spent in that. So, uh, and we'll see when we get here. But I'm sure it'll be a lot better. It couldn't be worse. And the opportunity for us to have two Australians driving on the Formula One circuit shortly is amazing, isn't it? Yes, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, 
as long as, as uh, we don't have Oscar scoring any points, so I remain only the fifth Australian driver. <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, he's a lovely boy, Oscar, and I was chatting to him earlier. He, he's, 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 the, he's, the, he's the right stuff, so uh, let's hope he gets into a, Let's hope he does a race or two this year. Thanks for your time. No problem, any time. I'll catch it up with Mark Webber. The prospect of coming back to Australia after a couple of years off is pretty great, isn't it? Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, I think that... Uh, you know, I've probably been to about uh, 15 races myself uh, on the on the road show, let's say, and there's been over 40 Grand Prix taking place uh, since we haven't been back to Melbourne. So um, it's certainly long overdue. And uh, yeah, this is uh, you know Australia's known for sport. Australia loves uh, celebrating international sporting events, but we'd nearly do it some of the you know some of the best sporting events in the world. So we need to be back. We need to be back on the radar. Uh, you're quickly forgotten in world sports, so and location. So um, yeah, it's good. It's good to be back in a few months. Have you been amazed at how the F1 circus has been able to get its way around the world as it has in the last two years, under all the circumstances that have been done? Uh, yes, it's been a phenomenal effort. Uh, I think that uh, they've been the been the benchmark in all all world sports, uh, whether it's tennis or golf or uh, any international sport. I don't think there's any sport that can rival how Formula One have gone about it. There's a lot of freight, uh, planning, logistics, of course lots of different time zones, lots of different nationalities involved. So it is a real, on paper it's an absolute headache to, to be able to execute and pull it off under, uh, you know, with the, with the virus in play. But ultimately Formula One is can-do. The people are can-do. Uh, they're highly professional. They're motivated. They went out there. We had our, our bubbles were very, very well organised probably had about you know 55 PCR tests myself last yeah. year so um, you know it was a travelling road show it was it was very very well done well done and obviously now you know looking like you know it's uh, it's backing off now which is good you know the the, the, the health situation around it is not as critical, critical, critical as it once was which is great uh, okay the cases are out there but hopefully the sport now can can crack on and all sports can crack on and we can uh, get on with it you speak about can do this boy can do drive Carney Oscar Piastri Formula 3 champion Formula 2 two champion back to back you saw a talent in him early in his career how far can he go well, he can go all the way. Uh, there's no question about that. He's, he's proven that in the junior categories. He's got immense uh, mind management and composure. Uh, he's got the enthusiasm and desire to, to, to win, which is important. People like working with him, which is a great quality. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's now in a very, very good position, the, the, the sharpening his weapons, let's say, for, uh, for his entry in the next sort of six to eight months. Um, you know, we don't know if there's going to be an opportunity this year, of course, around health. Uh, the COVID is still around. That could be an advantage to Oscar in terms of there could be something happen uh, around that with the driver not being able to compete but um, you know he knows he's got to be ready and then obviously 23 is the is the main focus here. For uh, him as a driver and you as a mentor how much has he lent on you in the last few years in regards to trying to get as much information as he can? Uh, of course there's it's always the big little things right you know so he's he's he uh, you know, he's very economical with his words. Uh, he knows what he needs to do. He's uh, got a tremendous uh, consumption of information, which is, a, which is a, as I say, a good quality to have. So when we do have the light chats about small discussions, of course, it's... Uh, it's enjoyable. Um, it's, it's of course as professional as uh, you know we need to, to to be because obviously we're in a, he's, in, he's now on the home straight in terms of the highest, the pinnacle of Formula One, uh, and and what his profession involves. So when, um, of course I'm always open and, 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 and naturally you know he's uh, the sport moves on a little bit too. So of course well quite a lot. So I've got to be mindful of that as well. But when I can give him any type of advice to help his improve his performance or be more professional or easier, make his job easier, of course I will. And finally, this sport has moved on into a brand new era this year in 2022 new cars and the like are you looking forward to the year and is it a year that can top what we saw last year well, God, it'd be hard to top last year, wouldn't it? I think it was a phenomenal season, one of the best uh, seasons we had in Formula 1 for a long time, decades. So um, that was special, unique, two of the best guys in, in Formula 1 duking it out. Um, uh, let's see. They might, you know, it, it, for it to go to the last race like it did was, was extraordinary. Um, I see no reason why, you know, Max and Lewis are going to be performing at a very high level again. We know that. Um, Max in particular with the first title behind him, uh, you know, of course, in controversial circumstances, but, um, you know, he drove 
drove extraordinary this year, uh, as did Lewis. Um, so, yes, it can be. You know, the new regulations are here. You know, who knows? Uh, that's why we're going to turn up here and see if it's going to be as tight as it was last year. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Catching up with Oscar Piastri, mate, uh, 2022. It's going to be a slower year for you in regards to what you do on the track, but, geez, it's going to be an exciting year, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be uh, a bit different to what I'm used to. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to the opportunities I've got ahead. I've still got uh, a lot of opportunities to learn, even if I won't be racing. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So you leave Melbourne tomorrow, go back to Europe. But how much time are that's going to be spent in the sim and in last year's car in getting you ready for that opportunity that may just arise in 24 hours' notice? Exactly. Um, so a lot of my time will be in the sim. I don't, you know, we're obviously still planning out the, the days in the year, but, I, yeah, I think a few days after I get back, I'll be in the sim already. So uh, be going back to work uh, almost straight away. So a lot of my time this year will be in the sim. Uh, a lot of it will also be um, attending the races as, as reserve driver in case I'm needed. Uh, and then also we're putting together a big testing program in last year's car. Um, so a lot of different avenues to, to try and improve myself and, uh, and, and, yeah, learn as much as I can. For those that didn't see, work was covered with air quotation marks yes. and I totally understand. It is fun. Yes. It definitely is fun. Mate, Formula 3 champion, Formula 2 champion, how you've had a chance to sit back and actually soak in what you've done in the last couple of years. It's been a whirlwind of a tour. Yeah, I, you know, I have uh, sort of looked back on it fondly, obviously, and and had time to for it to sink in. And I think now I'm, you know, already focused on the future and trying to get to F1. You know, all of these junior categories, it's obviously great to have won them all, but they're all just building blocks for for F1, really. So, um, yeah, I still haven't made it to F1 yet, and and I'm still very focused on that. So, I've already moved on, I think. We all have goals. We all set goals in our life. Have you overachieved on the goals that you had at this point? or is this exactly how you thought it would go? Uh, I think... I wouldn't say overachieved. Obviously, I, I wanted to try and win all of these things, um, but I think it's happened a lot faster yeah. than what I expected. Yeah. Um, so I guess in that, in that sense, yes, I, I guess I have overachieved uh, my goals that I've set, but... Um, you know, my next goal is to, to firstly get into F1, and I feel like in the junior categories I've done basically all I can to to prove why I should be there. Um, and then the next goal after that will try and be uh, to become world champion. And I think that's every F1 driver's or every racing driver's dream. Uh, and I'm lucky enough now, and you know, through through hard work and, and results, I'm I'm fortunate enough to be able to say that that's a goal now and not no longer a dream. So. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The ability to pick up a phone and have a chat to Mark Webber, sit on a couch in a hotel room with him and have a chat, how much of an advantage has that been to you in the last few years to get you to where you are today? Yeah, Mark's been a, a massive help in my career. Um, you know, obviously he's uh, a lot of his work is in the background as my manager sorting out uh, all the contracts and, and you know that side of things is, is the main port of call but obviously he's uh, a very successful driver in his own right as well um, so you know I can always lean back on him for advice on that side of things and I think in the last couple of years obviously the, the junior cars that I've been racing are very different to what Mark's ever driven really so uh, I was in very capable hands at Prema and we you know kept it quite separate um, from that side of things obviously there was a few track specific things such, a, such as Monaco where Mark could help me and give me some advice um, but yeah you know a, a lot of the work's been behind the scenes now and especially now getting to the more serious end um, you know it's, it's I guess it's coming much more to the forefront. You've had a few tests in the 2018 car I think you've also had a test in last year's car as well you've been in the sim are you able to tell the differences between those three cars in the way that you've been driving the sim? Um, it, it's always a bit difficult, you know. The sim is is very very accurate, um, but obviously it's it's never going to be quite the the real thing. Um, so, to be honest, between the 2018 and the 2021 car, it was very difficult to to tell a difference. Obviously, the the cars have been developed. Uh, throughout those three years, but also the the rules for 2021 took away a bit of that downforce that they yeah. gained. So, um, and also, you know, both of those F1 cars are in such a different league to anything I've driven that that trying to tell the difference between them was was nearly impossible. So. Um, the new car on the sim uh, seems a bit trickier to drive than than 2021. Uh, we'll see if that is is reality. But um, yeah, I think they'll be tricky to drive, and yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting my hands on the real thing. And that was going to be my, my next question: the jump up from 
say for kids over here in supercars, they go from Super 2 to supercars, and there's not much difference, you know, those yeah. cars are only a couple of years different. What's the difference between an F3 to an F2 to an F1? How much difference is there? Uh, I think from F3 to F2, the, the step up isn't massive. Um, you know, you've got more power, more aero, uh, and, and more weight as well. So the, the, the added weight kind of, uh, I guess, balances out the, the added aero a little bit. Uh, and, you know, at most tracks, they're sort of three or four seconds faster or maybe a little bit more. Um, so it's not a, a huge step, but then from F2 to F1, it's a, an enormous step. Um, a totally different car. A totally different yeah. beast. Um, you know, I think at most tracks, they're around 14, 15 seconds a lap faster. Uh, a lot more power, a lot more aero, uh, and the weight is, is basically the same. I think this year it's the same weight as F2. So, um, yeah, it's just a, a, an enormous leap. Um, and, yeah, I think it's... You know, Whilst the, the ladder is F3, F2, F1, the, the step between F2 and F1 is still very big. Um, so it's a very daunting challenge, but one I'm, I'm looking forward to. Finally, mate, you'll be back in Melbourne for a week before the Grand Prix. We've seen so much expectations in regards to what Australians have had to do in the past, Mark, Daniel and the like, and, and the requirements of them to meet with the media. Are you looking forward to all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I am, to be honest. Obviously, in, in front of a home crowd and, and you know, quite literally my home race, I'm just down the road. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it uh, and you know, experiencing the atmosphere. I'm sure it'll be great. Obviously, everyone's been, been waiting for long enough for the Australian Grand Prix to come back. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it and, uh, and seeing what the experience is, is going to be like. Wishing you all the best, mate. Good luck. Thank you very much. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. Well, the announcement earlier today that all of uh, the ARG categories will be going live on Stan from Season 22 and beyond is a big announcement and a new era for Australian motorsport. The bosses of ARG, that being Matt Braid and John McClellan, spoke to the media today. And here's some of that and some of what they had to say about the deal. Both, both from a point of view of uh, a completely new you know, media and broadcast partnership, as well as obviously formulating a new name for our properties when it's represented and covered in, in media being Speed Series. So a uh, great answer for us. Uh, it's uh, been a lot of hard work to get across the line, but it's good. And very much looking forward to debuting the new partnership uh, race Tasmania next weekend. Uh, John, did you just want to speak to it from a, a board role, I suppose, from ARG as well? Um, yeah, look, I think probably the, the critical piece uh, from a board perspective is <coughs> if we look at the integrated capability from a broadcast and media perspective that the Nine Network with Stan brings, it's uh, unparalleled to have print media, radio media, video on demand and free to air all out of one location. Normally you have to split that over a subset of different locations to be able to achieve that outcome. So that's obviously a critical element for us. And the other thing, uh, the latest data from the federal government survey, which you will have seen as of January on um, consumer trends, 61% of people now consume their product by video on demand, not from free to air. So that's an emerging trend that the market will have to meet and uh, we're aware of that as well. So, I think there's scope for us as John touched on with this, you know, it's Stan, but also it's the integrated platform with Nine Entertainment. And effectively, we look towards this being potentially future-proofing uh, ARG's categories and events. And the fact that we're sort of we looking after existing viewers in the way in that platform, we're attracting new viewers and obviously preparing ourselves for the future and ideally getting ahead of the curve, as John touched on with those statistics. So, you know, the the world, the world's consumption of media, uh, you know, that landscape is shifting as we all know. So, you know, we're we're embracing that and moving with it. And this partnership allows us to do that while still retaining some some legacy to, to existing audiences there and, and, and fan bases there as well. Cool. Excellent. Uh, happy to open it up some questions. I'll just run down the list uh, in order, I suppose, on my screen here. So, um, AVL, did you have something you wanted to start with? Sure. Thanks, Rich. And hello, everybody. Um, 
you touched on a few of the reasons there, John and Matt, about you know making this um, change. I guess there would have been a commercial element to it as well. Um, was the offer to continue with live free-to-air coverage on Seven still on the table if you wanted it to be for this season? Thanks, uh, yeah, the answer to your question is yes. So we did a, we did have obviously discussions with Seven and the option was there to continue on uh, with live coverage. Um, and clearly when seeing stands doing in the motorsport space and now they're, they're aggressively pursuing motorsport properties and you know, quite clearly they're, they're, their aim is to make themselves uh, the home of motorsport in Australia and to have a conversation with them about potentially ARG joining in that aim obviously was very positive and that's, that's how it came about and thankfully we were able to conclude it. Is there any concern over, you know, any sort of backlash about moving to a subscription service when you've had such prominent free-to-air coverage? I understand the market has changed. And I understand that streaming services tend to get a bit of a softer landing as opposed to, say, you know, um, Foxtel, if you remember what supercars kind of went through when they made that switch. But is there any concern from fans or even drivers who maybe try and sell free-to-air coverage to sponsors and that sort of stuff that, you know, this may be a slightly harder sell on audiences? Look, I think it's, it's more about change, to be honest. So I think whenever you have a change uh, in a category or, or a motorsport business, you've got such passionate fans, such a passionate fan base out there that watch your every move. So any change that we do, whether it's on a category basis, on a media basis, it's going to be heavily scrutinised, as you'd expect, because it's, you know, they're all passionate fans. So for us, it's not about the dramatic side of the change. It's more about the communication of it. And... Yes, there will be people you know, that, that will you know, like the consumption of media, how it's always been in the live component, um, and but equally others, we're finding you know, already you can see feedback about, oh, it's great, I can, you know, I can watch on demand what I want. Um, there's going to be more coverage. You know, so I think it's, yes, we're, we're cognizant of the change that we're now doing you know, does impact the fan base, but we're also confident that the way we communicate it and once it actually is shown how the complete and integrated package comes out, then I think that uh, people will see the benefit of it um, both now and we'll see in the long term as well. With this, um, with this speed series thing, so how does it, I guess it's always been a little bit confusing when you have sort of the, what's sort of known as the ARG categories, but then there was the Motorsport Australia Championships and all that sort of stuff. Is this an effort to kind of streamline what your product actually is like will it, will it operate obviously these are still will these still be motorsport australia championship events as well as speed series events is the speed series just a broadcast thing how will it all sort of be characterized and split up your last point is probably the most valid it is it is a broadcast brand basically so you know when we were looking at you know 2019 when we first started 2020 we didn't obviously have the broadcast and last year was seven you know how how that's encapsulated in in the programming it was obviously very difficult in some regards it was an ARG uh, it was you know, branded ARG others was TCR Australia etc so the idea utilizing this with uh, the new agreement with Stan is to was to look to look at that branding okay how can we succinctly put it forward that it could be advertised and marketed through the media that when you're watching you're going to obviously consume an ARG event or category as part of that so hence the, the, the problem of speed the speed series brand and just one more from me, um, was there any, you know, under the new sort of supercars ownership, and maybe this is something, um, John, you could comment on, you know, was there any consideration for more crossover with TCR and supercars under the new ownership? Or is the fact that, you know, this deal has been done in a, in a manner that's so separate to supercars, kind of, you know, a sign that there was never any intention to try and bring those two categories together? No, look, Andrew, I'll, I'll probably add a couple of comments. So, so first and foremost, um, no, no one would want to uh, make an easy decision to move from the seven free-to-air platform. However, all businesses have to be commercially sustainable, first and foremost, and producing high-quality motorsport TV is expensive. Secondly, the offer at seven was status quo on product and we know that the market as we've said data driven 62 percent of people consume their product on demand there was a need to have a broader product base and we have to consider the needs of the business as it evolves from that commercial sustainability viewpoint 
clearly from uh, a preference, it would have been to have a whole of motorsport offer that aligned uh, with supercars, but that was not able to be secured. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, as promised, we've got the band back together. How good is this? 2022 is up and running. Richard Crail and Mark Walker from theracetalk.com. G'day to you, boys. Hello, my friends. Isn't it nice to be back? And I've got to say, we might not be looking resplendent because I feel another year older than I did when we signed off last year, but we're sounding mighty fine. A bit of uh, investment in the podcasting world here on on the grid. Um, Maybe it's the dollars coming from our friends at Doric. I don't know, but... uh, New audio gear, new podcasting gear. It's all pretty swish. Shebeck's new intro. Yeah, new intro. Sounds fantastic. Mm. And I'll tell you what, I think I introduced him as Mark Walker, but maybe I should have introduced him as John Laws. Stop it. Stop it. These golden tonsils. You you can jump on Amazon and grab yourself one of these microphones as well. So, hey, happy whatever year it is, 2022. Congratulations for making it through that summer alive. Yeah, it took yes. some <laughs> I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten over Bathurst yet. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. It, it felt like Christmas by the time I got home. And here we are, and it's February, and we're less than 30 days away from the start of the supercar season and a week away from the start of the racing season proper. Insanity. Yeah, quite amazing, insanity, isn't it? Insanity, It is quite amazing. And really, what are we, six weeks away from the Australian Grand Prix? Yeah, it's going to be big, isn't it? Oh, it's huge. Finally, we uh, we can actually look forward to something happening at Albert Park. It's just come to me. Track walk. How's that going to work? Oh. Well, yeah, Albert Park track walk. Yeah. It's got to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it might just have to be a Walker Shebeki Dale Rogers thing. No. I mean, uh, security won't let us go around two days before the Formula One. Why not? Uh, I, just, I just get the feeling they won't. We might get no, shot. They might. Mm. I'll be there. Right Why did you leave me out of that? Well, I just thought that security would just make it too hard. I mean, it's not like Bathurst where you can just, you know, amble around and own the Yeah, joint. but if we're getting kicked out of security, I want to be involved in the kicking out as well. Okay, yeah, yeah fair call. I'll, I'll be there. I'm not going to miss that race. I've got stuff to do there. It's going to be good. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, guys, let's get straight into it because there's so much to talk about. It's been an action-packed six or seven weeks or whatever we've been away. So much has happened, and it really, a lot of it happened today or yesterday to an extent where uh, the release... Uh, has come out today of the new era for Australian motorsport, and that is a motorsport category or categories, an event, I suppose, going on to – I'm missing this totally up, aren't I? Yeah, completely. But what I'm trying to say is ARG have signed with Stan to run all of their categories uh, on that what – what is it, subscription channel? It's a streaming service. Yeah, streaming Chibex. service. That's the one. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, Australia's largest domestic streaming service. More than 2.4 million subscribers. Yeah, so it, it's a, a a broad media partnership announced this morning, which is why, folks, we're coming to you on a Thursday and not a Wednesday as usual because uh, so frustrated and nervous did we get last year at missing yeah. major news announcements that we um <laughs> we've worked real hard to make sure we get this one in for you and not miss it by seven days so uh, please appreciate those efforts um yeah so it, it, it's an agreement with stan sports but it, it goes beyond that and it, it's an integrated broadcast and media deal with stan but stan sports is part of nine entertainment company which is one of australia's largest media companies um, that includes the Channel 9 network, that includes a bunch of radio stations like 3AW, 2GB, 2GB et cetera, that includes a raft of papers as well, um, digital assets online. So it's Fairfax, a really... Fairfax, yeah. Yeah, correct. So they were all brought into 9 Entertainment Co and Fairfax was sold. So it's a broad-reaching product, but Stan is the driver behind it. And the long story short, if you haven't read the release and seen the news already all of the Australian racing group categories and events will come under a a banner called Speed Series, which will be aired exclusively on Stan Sports, starting with AWC Race Tasmania next weekend. So that includes TCR Australia, S5000, GT World Challenge, Touring Car Masters uh, and Trans Am Series, plus the 
broader categories at the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships events that ARG visits, plus the High Tech Horse Bathurst Six Hour, plus the Super Cheap Auto Bathurst International at the end of the year, which we might finally actually make happen for once and not be screwed over by COVID-19. So it's huge. It's a massive thing, Shebex, that um, ARG has got in bed with Stan, who are going very, very hard on their sports package and expanding their profile significantly. And they've made quite a few major acquisitions of Australian motorsport rights in the last month, including IndyCar Series, uh, FIA World Endurance Championship, uh, World Rally Championship, and more recently, Formula E. So ARG's suite of categories will headline that. It's a significant deal. It, It really is. And people on the surface will go, oh, it's another TV deal behind a paywall, but it's so much more than that. There's free to air components and replays in prime time on the Nine Network, but it will tie in with all of the various platforms that the Nine Entertainment Company can offer up to these categories and ARG as a business and this new Speed Series brand. So I think it's pretty significant. And I I think it's a really interesting deal that uh, it's sort of leading the way, I suppose, because it's, it's the first Australian motorsport deal that leans hard on the streaming. Because if you go back to when the Fox and Seven deal was done with supercars, that's about Fox Sports. It's about their linear product. KO came after that deal was signed. Now, KO Sports has grown significantly since that announcement, and it's now a massive chunk of everyone that watches the supercars round, and certainly even more with Formula One. But that's a linear deal. This is a, a digital streaming deal first with everything else bundled around it. So in that respect, it's really exciting. And um I think it's quite brave, but it's quite exciting at the same time because the possibilities are fairly broad. I suppose it's exciting too. You you mentioned that they're spending money on getting these content pieces into their platform. It's another player in motorsports rights. You know, it traditionally has been Fox Sports. Remember back in the speed days, Mm. they had a 24-7 car racing channel. Now everyone's figured out, they've seen all the stats that have been able to been spun out of Fox Sports and KO over these last few years and the growth that motorsport, whatever it is, if it's MotoGP, Formula One, supercars, it's got eyeballs, it's got followers, people are tuning in. So for Channel 9 to, I mean, I don't know what the financial details are, but if it was just a case of status quo, it would still be on Channel 7, I'd imagine. So whatever the deal's been, it's been a better outcome for ARG to go wind themselves up on Channel uh, on 9 and stand. So that's good. There's another player in there willing to spend money on motorsport. And mm. quite frankly, TV money, it's what keeps the wheels going around in supercars. And if it can, you know, spice things up with that ARG, that second tier sort of suite of classes. I mean, I've written an op-ed, which I'll, I'll spin out there in the next few days in the race talk, but it's a quality product. Mm. What happened on the Shannon's Nationals last year and events like the six hour it was good value stuff. It was a, a, you wouldn't mind paying money to go and see that stuff at a racetrack. And it was a good TV product. And obviously this year will probably step up again with supercars media being rolled into that whole ARG little universe there and the, the influence there. The product will be good. The categories are, are red hot. Like they're all a bit different. There's something for everyone in there and it, it's really enjoyable stuff. So. Uh, this is a, a win for motorsport fans. Obviously, there's that boundary of people don't have Stan and Stan Sports. A lot of people do. Some people don't. But as a motorsport fan, you got your IndyCar there. Like IndyCar and this ARG stuff, I think there's value in that. For me personally, I would pay money to watch that stuff. Yep. Richard, people are going to ask about the uh, on-camera and the, the commentary teams. Uh, in the past with the Channel 7 deal, we sort of had a mix of... Uh, the supercar people and the ARG people being on both uh, products. What are we going to see with this? Uh, well, I mean, the, the seven guys obviously won't be part of the the Speed Series product for obvious reasons. They're, they're Channel 7 personalities. So the likes of Barrett's and, and Brad Hodge sadly won't be part of this, and, and that's a shame. But there'll be some new faces, I think. Um, look, hand on heart, I don't know who's 
on the team as yet. Yeah. It won't be wholesale change, though, Shebex. I don't think um, most of us that work in the game are all freelancers anyway, so we're we're all pretty loosey-goosey where we pop up. We're all over the place, so yeah. I don't think that's a massive issue. Uh, look, all I can tell you is that I'm there. Noltz is there um, from a commentary point of view, but we're not the hero faces. We just do the, the grunt work in the commentary box. But the talent that actually carries the show down in pit lane and the hosting side of things, I think it'll be. I think it'll be pretty cool, um, and there, there could be some new and different names pop up on it that I think would be great. But um, that will get announced closer before yeah. we get to, to Tassie as well. You're running a fair old cartel there, Mister Crail. So we've got this. We've got Channel Seven. We've got Fox Ko. Mm. Uh, surely you pop up somewhere in Channel Ten. You do Big the brother. ABC Radio, Big Brother. Big the Brother on Channel there. 10, I think it'd be his... Per- oh, no, that's on 7 now. Yeah, that's on 7 yeah, now. Sorry. I'll tell you what. You, Survivor. You know, Can you... we get you on Survivor on 10? No, we definitely cannot. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, it's not a juggling <laughs> act at all. <laughs> I try not to talk about it. <laughs> just... You go crazy just thinking about it. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Well done. Hey, good work by ARJ on securing the deal and look forward to seeing how that all pans out throughout this year yeah look and, and just th- there are people that are going to get upset about the fact you have to pay for it and and that that will be the biggest thing that needs to be overcome this year especially the live stuff because in the past this stuff has always been free so whether it was the shannon's nationals free live stream last year it was a free-to-air window and then the rest of it on the seven plus streaming app but that was also free so there is a bit of a shift here that um will have to take place to educate people i think and inform them but also show them a value for money but mark mark touched on it that the value for money proposition i think for hardcore racing fans especially will add up pretty quickly when they look at it and the other thing you've got to remember is that it's not just the ARG categories that are that are coming under this Speed Series banner that they've launched today as well. It's all at the Shannon's Nationals rounds. It's Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge, Red Eagle Cup, Production Cars, Prototype Series, all the other supports that pop up at those events. It's the Bathurst Six Hour, which will be ad break free, live, uninterrupted coverage. Wow. It's the Bathurst International at the end of the year, and hopefully by then we've got a field of 30 Trans Am cars coming from America and international TCR cars and muscle cars from New Zealand and things like that. So it's a pretty broad offering um, across the board and they don't do ads. So God knows how we're going to fill the downtime between races. (laughs) So I hope whoever they get for pit lanes, bloody good at their job. But um, I I think the value proposition will add up. But then even if it doesn't, there's still a free-to-air component worked into it. So the replays are going to be midweek, on nine uh, or nine gem, one of the nine channels, but everyone can get every nine channel these days anyway. So that's a positive thing. There'll be a couple of replays and then replays the week after. So there'll be plenty of content that can be freely consumed. So it look, there's no point in us skirting around the room. It's gonna cost you 20 bucks a month to get Stan. It's 10 bucks for a Stan subscription, 10 bucks to add the sport on. But it goes back to the old adage that it's, what these days 20 bucks is three cups of coffee at my local coffee shop a month um yeah a month that's it now i have a lot more coffee than that and my doctor tells me i need to cut back on the caffeine <laughs> so i paid for my stand right there and don't, don't start me don't on the brewery it, across the road because 20 bucks that's like two beers there that, that won't get you in the door no you don't so, need stand though you're going to be there well, no, exactly right. I want to watch the replay on oh, demand. Yeah, and you also want to watch Scotty McLaughlin win an IndyCar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's I want true to see him win the Indy point. 500. So I will Good be point. subscribing. So, look, it, it's it's just the issue of our time. And some people won't do it. And and I get that completely, 100%. But I think, I think the value proposition of this will add up, especially with some of the racing I think we're going to have this year because it's looking quite strong. Yeah, and you know one one thing that it will probably lead to is less clunkier programs because you mentioned that the last year the had a free to wear window in the middle of the day where they try and jam two TCR races in and an S five thousand race and it was a really disjointed sort of day and you'd have categories put on at six o'clock at night because they're outside of the live streaming and all this sort of caper. But if you've got everything being shown on stand, you can run a more sensible, normal sort of program, which is cool. Well, and do you know what it'll do? 
Uh, it won't remove it completely, but it will because you still have to finish at a certain point of the day. Yeah. But the whole time certainty thing yeah. will become so much less of an issue because there's not that hard out, like you mentioned, to get in a live TV window. And and it happens on the supercar side of the fence, whether it's on Fox or 7, and it happened last year as well on 7 for the, the ARG side of things. So it, it will become much less of a drama if there's a lengthy safety car. The chances of a race losing a chunk of laps in that race or the subsequent races being shortened become smaller with this because it's so much more flexible because you're not working, like you said, to those rigid TV windows. So that's going to be another positive, I think, from a not just from a viewer's point of view, but from the competitors as well, because the first person to complain when a race gets shortened isn't you and I sitting on the couch. It's old mate who's paid 250 grand a year to go car racing. Yeah, correct. That goes and does a six-lap race because <laughs> someone else had his shunt. So um, I think that's that benefit will flow on. It's going to take some time to to tell the story about it, Shebex, but yep. I, I, I don't see that many downsides to this. I think it's really exciting. But the, the final thought from mine, boys is that we now have News Limited via Fox and Foxtel. We've got Seven West Media via the Seven Network. And now we've got Nine Entertainment Co via Stan, all throwing cash at motorsport in this country. So the three largest media groups in Australia are spending money on car racing. You cannot tell me that is not a good thing for our sport. Mm. That's good. Yeah, spot on. Spot on. All right, let's move on, guys, because there's plenty more to talk about. I'm going to throw out some topics. Limit your answers to about a minute if you can. Otherwise, we'll be here until next week. Uh, we'll kick it off. You mentioned Bathurst a couple of times, so let's start there. The new 12-hour date, 15th of May, is race day. Shame we couldn't go in February. Do you want to take this one, Mark? Oh, it is a shame, but I think that's a fact of life, isn't it? I don't think anyone could have actually gone, if even if we wanted to have it in the middle of February. Yeah. So, um yeah, that's life. Hopefully they can get a field along that's decent, that does that show justice. It's a tough one, but uh, that's one of these things that we have to live with in 2022 still, unfortunately. The biggest thing for mine is that the daylight hours in May are completely different to what they are in the peak of summer in early February. So the race will start in the dark. It'll run in the dark for longer in the morning, but it'll finish at night as well, assuming we run to the standard 545 to 5.45 window, which I can't particularly see changing. Look, it's going to be another challenging year for the 12-hour. There's no doubt about it. The international border thing is still an issue in Australia. Um, Aussies can go back and forth overseas now, but getting people into the country is still very, very difficult. And some people I know feel like it's a cop-out, but the whole supply chain situation, especially freighting cars around the world, is really, really challenging. So it's a huge, huge undertaking to get this event in. So I think be prepared for a 12-hour that doesn't have a 40-car GT3 field. But Bathurst is Bathurst. You could run two blokes in billy carts around there and still have an entertaining car race. And if they're Cam Waters and Chas Mostert, they'd still, crash into, they'd still yeah. crash into each other. They'd chase, <laughs> exactly right. So I'm pretty confident that it'll still be a cool car race. Looking forward to it. Uh, Newcastle has also been moved. Of course, it was meant to be the opener for the supercars season. It's now been pushed back to sometime later in the year. And uh, we kick off the season at a track we haven't been to in 2022, SMP. <laughs> Default setting, Sydney <laughs> Motorsport Park. Control C, Control V. Oh, it's Control easy. C. We know the systems. We've got the keys. <laughs> just just roll around, boys. We've got the setup. The drivers know which way the track goes. Uh, Send it. What else were they going to do? No, nothing. You're right. Uh, they got a contract with the New South Wales government to host the opening round in New South Wales. They don't have another racetrack. Certainly not one that could hold that kind of show. Send them to Ludnam. There you go. Yeah, well, Wakefield but, Park, but then the neighbours would complain. But people bang on about, oh, 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 it's terrible. You know, we've got to live with COVID. And they would have had no one to build a track. Mm. These yeah. temporary tracks, they just don't show up. Sydney Motorsport Park sitting there and you can easily social distance around that joint. But could you imagine the absolute cluster super spur event that Newcastle Street Circuit would be? Because you've got to jam everyone into a very, very small space. It's... It'd be impossible. You couldn't do it sensibly, and I think they've done the right thing there. Yeah, better to wait and run it safely, and run it and successfully, just, and run it with someone who can build the track. Yeah, yeah, but 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 also from an event point of view, to run it successfully because the the killer for street circuits is when no one rocks up, and there's still a lack of market confidence in people going out. There's still people who won't go to major events. Um, look at some of the crowds over the summer; just 
explains that. So I think um, the, the the worst thing for an event like Newcastle would be to do it half-assed. So yeah. it's better to hold it, run it later. And it's unfortunate that the side effect is we go to Sydney Motorsport Park, but at least we can get it out of our system early in the season and we won't have to worry about it for at least 12 months moving forward, which I think we can all agree is a good thing. We hope. But but then we've still got issues with New Zealand, with Western Australia potentially. Correct. So who knows how that's going to wind up. Then we've got tracks still sitting on the sideline like Phillip Island and Queensland Raceway that could pick up the slack and apparently Winton's still floating around there, uncertain about how that's all going to work out. But uh, There's yeah, no way we go to WA, is there? Oh, no way. I wouldn't have thought so, no. I wouldn't have thought so. Not, not in the first half of the year, anyway. No, it correct. Just, that would be ridiculous. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's, they uh, don't deserve nice things. Yeah, there's more issues there than <laughs> we know of, I think. Anyway, moving on from Newcastle to, well, we'll stay in Sydney and Team Sydney. New owner, new lineup. Chris Pither back in the driver's seat. Fabian Coulthard out on the road. Uh, yeah, and in a TCR car as of this go. morning. So, nice. uh, you know, he's, at least he's got a gig. Yeah, look, this is an interesting one. I don't think anyone particularly saw this coming, but apparently the deal for Jiburis to get involved had been on the table for some time. And and it, some people I've been talking to said it was on the card since July or August last year. So they did a bloody good job of keeping it on the hush-hush. Um, yeah, this this will be a, a really interesting story for the year to see how it plays out. Drive a lineup aside, how they put their cars together. But they, they've made a decent go of it already in just going straight to Triple Eight, giving them the cars, going, right, make them current spec, make them proper. Um, and it looks like from what I've read recently that they're going to base them out of there for the first couple of rounds until they can get their own setup. So um, that that at least strikes me as a common sense, pretty straightforward, logical decision and that the new owner is spending money in the right places because a customer deal with T8 doesn't come cheap uh, to get the best performance out of their new sort of venture as a, a race team. Mark, the driver question is probably the bigger one though, isn't it? There's a few things at play here. First of all, Techno, they're gone, but you know, up until 2016, that was the model that this customer model worked on. Is Correct. that you dollied up all your cash to Uncle Roland and he gave you all the good stuff. You get all the data. You have some good people there operating the car and the team and you can get results. And they had some really big results. They should have won it twice. You know, they ran third in the championship. That was how you do these customer things. And a lot of other people have sort of half-assed it since. Oh, we've got the triple-eight car, but we're not going to dolly up for all the latest uprights and, you know, we'll get data, but then that doesn't really translate across. It's not doing it properly and doing it justice. If you go in there with an open checkbook to Uncle Roland and want to pay for all the good stuff, he'll give it to you. You, know, mm. you have to pay for it. It's not not cheap, but mm. if you want the good stuff, you can go get it. So it's Uncle Jamie it, now, isn't it? Uncle Jamie, exactly. Mm. It's good that there's new investment in the sport, new people wanting to get involved. You Blanchards, um, Matt Stone stepped up in recent years. You know, Peter Adderton says he wants to, but he just hasn't, and he just sits on Facebook a lot, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's good. That's good for the sport that people want in and they mm. want to expand. You know, Tickford's going back out to four cars, so mm. there's people wanting in. The question over the drivers: having two paid drivers in this first year, these guys seem serious. They want to go out there and win. They're obviously doing the right things by getting the right stuff in place and the right investment. Having two paid drivers in a bit of a lame duck year. They've got two older cars. You know, they've been bashed around a bit over the years. They're not the latest kit one more year on this kit before they'd have to go and turn them into boat anchors anyway. Why not get two paid drivers in there? So as the new team owner, you can spend your cash getting all the infrastructure in place, attracting the good engineers and the good staff and the good people and getting that whole support structure in place so that next year, you know, you can start with a clean slate. Okay, look, we've shown to the industry that we're serious. We can attract two good drivers who will pay what they're worth to come and drive our cars at a triple eight spec. I don't, I don't see that as necessarily a bad thing. You know, Pithel and, and Jacobson have shown that they can drive. Remember well, Gary at Bathurst yeah. with Brighty in the yeah. wet. And Pither's got a pole. Like he was on pole. It was at Queensland Raceway in the super black car. So yeah. the, the, this is their chance to prove themselves, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, Gary 100%. spent that time as in the fourth Cali car. 
Mm. You're not going to go any well there, eh? No, well, no, no. History's proof of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a cursed thing. That, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Absolutely, and and it will make a, it will remove any weight of expectation, but b, because no one will expect them to do any good. But when they, if they have a good run, and at the end of a race, you know, Gary's had a battle and. Pitha pops up into ninth place or twelfth or something like that. You look at that and go, "Oh, gee, that's a bloody good performance, isn't it? Good job, nice work." I like the drag racing background as well. Some interesting characters in drag racing, and there always has been. But uh, everyone I've spoken to from the the drag racing side of the world notes that that Peter is a stand up guy, hard worker, just thoroughly passionate motorsport guy. So that sounds like exactly the kind of person we want. Not going to take any BS, which is fantastic. Sounds like you'll be a pretty good chat when they get him on the microphone at some point or if someone fences one of his cars, he'll say his piece, which is good for our sport and then the entertainment we're trying to offer up. So, yeah, I'm, I think it's a, a, a good thing. But it came from left field. I, I, I like that. I mean, he has owned one of the Team Sydney cars previous when mm. um, they expanded two cars. So he sort of bought that and was sort of silent in the background with that deal. But it seems so far he's been very good with the media. He's been on the phone the whole time. Everyone's talked to him. Everyone's had a been feeling him out, and he's been giving them lots of stories. So uh, that's cool. I like that. And if it means we can see Shebeck's more top fuel cars at supercar rounds, I am all for that. Oh, without a doubt. We uh, had experienced that up in Darwin, didn't we, which was fantastic oh, look, a couple well, of years the, ago. The top fuel championship that's been set up with friend of the show, Nathan Prendergast uh, at the helm. Uh, they have, I think it's their final round at the Hidden Valley supercar round at the Triple Crown in June or July this year. So I yeah. think that needs to be on team TRT's junket list for 2022 because uh, Saturday night under light top fuelers, oh, it's exciting for me. Got a lot of junket to fill up, mm. let me tell you. I've missed yeah. out a lot of junket in two years. Yeah, yeah there hasn't been a lot of junketing going on. No, so, not uh, at all. Uh, get up there, we'll be able to go and see the annex. It'll be great. Fabian Coulthard was next on my list, but we've spoken about him. He's driving a TCR car. Good on him. But, but where's he, where's he going to wind up? Is he going to wind up next to Chaz, do you reckon? I reckon he'll end up back at DJR. Okay. Just a guess. Next year, or this year as a driver? As a co-driver. It's the worry that I've got for Lee Holdsworth this year that he's going into a lame duck situation. He, you know, he's taking a step down to have a full-time drive to keep himself relevant and paid and all this sort of stuff. Do you take that over the good enduro seat at Bathurst? Because you look at James Courtney took the step back to Team Sydney. That didn't work out after one event, and he got so lucky that that seat opened up at Tickford. Mm. Yeah. I suppose it's uh, – it could be, you know, I, I would – my imagine would be. And Lee – I think Lee's probably different to others because we know Lee and he's a th- just an utterly passionate racing car guy and all he wants to do is drive cars. Yep. So the money probably wasn't the deciding factor, but the difference might have been a couple of hundred grand. Yep. So that may have ultimately been the decision. So – Sometimes there's a business, a life, financial choices that have to go into this as well. But I, I have I have knocked back – high-paying jobs, that would have been rubbish. Hmm. Is that just me? That might just be me. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if you could compare that to driving a racing car. Yeah. I still – I I think finishing 10th in a supercar race. 10th? Full-time. Well, they've done it before. Heimgarten won races last year, mate. Yeah, is, well, what's it going to – is it going to rain this year? If it's going to rain, well, then Almost he might win entirely the likely it's going to rain this year. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen where they put the bend? <laughs> in the middle of – Winter, mate. Yeah. Yeah, there's some interesting uh, decisions yeah, in that calendar. Yeah, it's definitely going to rain. Hey, uh, speaking of seats opening up, the big seat for uh, supercars, the CEO seat opened up, Seymour out, Howard in. Good decision. Have you ever seen a CEO appointment so warmly welcomed by an entire sport? Uh, <laughs> no. Mate, I don't you can speak to AFL Shebex. I know Gillen McLaughlin was a popular appointee when he took over from Dimitri. Yeah, I don't know AFL. but I don't know if all of the sport was No. Yeah. No. But Shane Howard. And it's a similar progression because Gill was wasn't Gill is. operations manager before yeah, for sure. that, and that's sort of Correct. what's happened here. I think it's a great call. Uh, yeah. He knows the business and that's mm. what you need. Yep. No we're not gonna add anything in depth here because no. I think no, we just, just all agree it's a very, very decent decision. Yeah, you know, he's a motorsport guy. Like I remember back when I used to run extracurricular events around race meetings where we'd be giving everyone Jack Daniels, he'd be the one white shirt that would turn up. Yes. He'd, he'd be there and he'd, he wouldn't go there and 
hit the booze, but he'd be there talking to everyone and getting to know everyone, and that was yep. some time ago and good operator and all of what you said. We're starting to see the new liveries for 2022, and it was interesting to see that uh, both Lee Holdsworth and Dave Reynolds at Grove Racing have Penrite cars. So good to see them uh, dig into the, the bank a little bit and bring some more cash out. What I was pleased to see with that, Shebex, and I'm glad you bring this up, was that Ned Australian Whiskey hasn't disappeared entirely. They're yes. still on the cars. So they've dropped back from a major naming rights of one car to an associate sponsor on both. But I'm pleased because we've told this story before on the grid, but you and I, were you there, Mark? I don't know no, if you were at Adelaide 500. No, no, you and I met the Ned guys. We did, Steve. At Adelaide 500 in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and we went and... We drank a lot of Ned Australian whiskey. Yeah, we them. did. Let's let's be brutally honest. Um, and it was a tremendous night. But they mapped out what they wanted to achieve out of their supercar sponsorship, and so much of that was tied around things they just absolutely could not do for the last two years, which was large gatherings at pubs with everyone being rowdy and having a bloody good time, which is everything we've not been allowed to do for two years. So, I, I feel bad for them that they lost that opportunity to leverage their sponsorship in that way because it was so cool. In fact, one of the saddest things I've seen out of the pandemic was walking back from Albert Park on the Friday, the 13th of March, 2020, and walking back up to where my accommodation was to check out and get the hell out of Dodge. And I walked past the pub where they were going to have the function on the Friday night and there was a big cancelled thing up on it. I was like, oh, oh that no. sucks. And who knew at that time that was what was going <laughs> yeah. to Yeah. That was the the boating of tides to come. So I'm glad they're still involved in the support in the sport. So hopefully, and I'm not saying this just so we can go and get some free scotch, because it's bloody good stuff and Aussie made. It is. But um hopefully they actually get to leverage their involvement in the sport for once this year. Uh, on liveries, I saw the news article getting around the other day where all the news news hounds have seen the rule book and gone deciphered it very quickly. And they were race speed reading. Some of them start at the back, some start at the front to find all the little news nuggets in the rule book this year. And one was the Aboriginal themed liveries for Darwin, which is fine. It, that's that's mm. fine. I'm I'm good with that. Whatever they want to do. Yeah, you see, I've got okay. a problem with it. No, and this is the the point that came up last year when we were in Dara and, and teams were doing this. There has to be some sort of meaning to it, some sort of depth some relevance. to it. Some yeah. relevance. It's, There's something behind it. You can't just have a an Aboriginal livery on a car just because it's cool and we're in Darwin. It no, needs and to have exactly some meaning. Right. Mark, with AFL and with NRL and all other sports that do it, there's normally a an Indigenous person who's a part of the team, or whether they be staff or whether they be a player, and there's some sort of relevance to them and the jumper. So either they get an auntie to design it or whatever it might be, and that's how it comes through, and it's fantastic, and there's that whole association with the Indigenous community. Now, I'm not sure there's too many Indigenous drivers, none, not sure if there's too many Indigenous staff in there, supercars there to have that rele relevance though, for yeah. every team. Yeah, true. The decree that every team must have an Indigenous livery I thought was just a weird thing. But the way they could do it would be that each team finds an Indigenous artist from the region where they're based, so the in Indigenous country from where they're based. So Bath Bath I'm not, there's no teams based in Bathurst, for example, but... Um, it's the Wiradjuri people, uh, the 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 original inhabitants of the the land where Bathurst yeah. is now. So, or maybe you could do it where each of the where each of the racetracks are. So maybe you could go to someone yeah. from the Wiradjuri people and go, okay, well, we want you to design a livery for Premier Premier Racing because I, I just pulled that out because we talked about it before, and then someone from an area north of Melbourne or country South Australia or, or the red center, get, find a, a link. I'm you mentioned it. that the, the sporting codes, uh, even in big bash cricket, they do an indigenous round, but that stemmed from Jason Gillespie at the Adelaide strikers and the WA, the Perth scorchers who had quite a lot of yep. um, indigenous input into their team um, doing the Jason Gillespie trophy and then putting on special indigenous design kits for that. And that's since spread out to the big bash league, which is the way to do it because it grew organically. It wasn't crammed down people's throat. So th there's got to be a way to make it relevant somehow. So whether it's where the team's based, so triple eight and DJR get, get the, the people from that part of the world, 
Victorians the same, you know, support local artists or go to wherever the rounds are. So you can go nationwide and get this real cross-section of art from all the various um, Aboriginal no, I love it. Australian Great countries. idea. I don't know. I'll write an op-ed about it. We'll go but I, I think it has to go a bit deeper, you know, have some sort of youth program like that DJR has the relationship with Racing Together, which yep. is the – Gary Connolly's involved with that up on the Gold Coast. And last year for Darwin, I think it was their driver, Braden Sedoni, who did the artwork for the DJR cast, which was fantastic. You know, he's a young fellow out there driving in the XLs. He did the livery for the DJR car. And there was a really good synergy across there, and it had mm. some meaning and depth to it. It wasn't just, hey, we're chucking this livery on here for a, you know, because we're having a – race in Darwin, there's some depth to it. So I'd like to see that, have some sort of involvement, something, some meaning to it. Mm, yep, good stuff. Glad we sorted that out. Good. Uh, are we excited about the Australian Grand Prix? As I said, nearly just on six weeks away, tracks complete. We saw Oscar uh, Oscar win his award the other day, the Sir Jack Brabham Award for the second time, which was fantastic. Mark Webber was there. We heard those guys talking a little bit earlier on. Is in it in the April, Shebex? Hey? Is it in April? Is it six weeks or eight weeks? You got me real worried now saying it's six weeks. What's mid March? Well, it's mid, so it's yeah, early April. Mid April. It? So it's, it's 10 weeks. Eight weeks, is it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Whatever it is, it's close. Jeez. It's not too far away. Uh, I'm excited. Oh, how could you not be? Like, even pre this time, it's one of the great motor racing events in Australia. Um, and now coming back, it's going to be huge. And like they're adding grandstands. To Albert Park. News five. came out earlier this yeah. week. Five new grandstands, which has got to be, what, 5,000 seats, if not more? So all of them paying a couple hundred bucks to sit there. So great for the event from a bottom line point of view, but it's going to look amazing. So, yeah, it, it's hugely exciting. And, and aside from the fact we get this new era of Formula 1 with the new rules and new cars and, um, and new drivers in new teams, just there's so many layers of coolness, I think, built in around that event. Supercars there, championship round, S five thousands running. Like the the list is fantastic. So um yeah, I that's it's I, yeah, can't wait. Yeah. Of course I can't wait. How could you not not wait? And we've been guaranteed one hundred percent by Andrew Westercott that it will happen. Yeah. Well, I believe Andrew more than I believe your government, but uh <laughs> I th- I think and look, we probably said this last year as well. If the Australian Open can happen, then the Grand Prix can, and history will recall that as a bad thing to say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. The FIA and Formula One, incidentally, have upped their COVID protocols now to mandate full vaccination for everybody in the paddock. Um, and my understanding is that entry to the paddock will have to be COVID test dependent. So if you're going in, you have to the paddock. You ha- the Formula One paddock, that is, you have to have had a negative test. So they're still very, very restrictive with their movements, which is great. So that removes a lot of anxiousness away from any international teams coming into the country, I think. And the FIA yeah. and Formula One have been, I thought they were amazing last year with their COVID protocols. And uh, I don't know if you follow the FIA on Twitter. It seems like they've popped up and started following us of late. I follow, I follow their, I follow their spammy messages, the but um, and we'll give uh, the new the new leader a follow. But um, they would put out after every round their COVID stats, and here's how many people tested positive. Here's how many tests we did, and all that, which I thought was great. And yeah. good to be transparent. So I think it gives it some certainty to go ahead. What does that say about us when the only people diving into a DMs of the FIA. I know. <laughs> if you're listening at the race talk, please feel free to um, slide into our DMs. We need, none of us get much sliding into our DMs these days, so right. we'd uh, very much like for that to happen, please. Always, always like that to happen. Uh, also, uh, the Daytona 24-hour, boys. Have a chat to me about that. Belting car race. Had a bit on. How was the how was the GT finish? Uh, it's such a good decision to get rid of the GTLM class, yep. which was a bit lame duck. Now it was Corvette and a couple of Porsches. Um, really good progressive decision from him so, to get rid of that and um, and to make a, a GT Daytona. So it's a GT three, but all pro class. And they went from having six cars to thirteen, all of them with filled with guns, and it ended up not at all unpredictably coming down to the final lap of the race with um 
Lawrence Vantor throwing everything and including the kitchen sink at trying to get a race win at the bus stop. It was just an awesome race. But even, Mark, the battle for the lead was like two seconds um, for the Maya Shank racing car to get home and win it. So after 24 hours of racing, it's in such a good place, sports car racing, especially in the States at the moment with the new rules coming in next year. Um, that's, yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, Maya Shank. I mean, look how good's their last 12 months been. Oh. Look, Helio there. Yeah, he's yeah. at the end of his career. He's got two Daytona wins in a year and a Indy 500. Stop yeah. it. How's our little friend from Warwick, Queensland? Yeah. yeah. Look at that. He's now got a watch. Yeah, he's got the Rolex. Adds it to wins at uh, the Dubai 24-hour. He's won the class at Le Mans 24-hour. Uh, of course, the look Molly Bathurst 12-hour, famously in 2019, one of the greatest drives. Yeah, it's such a cool story. Yeah, and he's picking up stats. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, not wrong. He's he's pretty safe as a pro driver for the rest of his life, <laughs> I think. Uh, interesting link to Grove Racing, by the way, to uh, co-drive one of those Very. cars for, for Bathurst, which is no surprise. Um, the other thing, interestingly enough, with the new rules coming in next year, um, that they're bringing back a cool old moniker to name the top class mm. of the IMSA series in GTP, which is fantastic. Grand Touring Prototypes, which was... Back in the days, in the 80s, GTP IMSA Racing was challenging IndyCar for supremacy as the peak road racing in the United States. So really smart thinking by John Doonan, who's the CEO there now, um, to bring that brand back and lean on the heritage for what's a cool thing. Because you've got Porsche coming in with Roger Penske and then you've got on the uh, ACO side with, with the World Endurance Championship, you've got Ferrari coming in, you've got Audi coming in. Like, it, it's just sports car racing is looking incredible. And I think, Shebex, you and I were at the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500. Mark, you and I were at the 60th running of the Daytona 500. It's the 100th running of the Indianapolis, uh, of the Le Mans 24-hour in 2013. Uh, 2013, 2023. So, uh, I can think... we actually find something that the three of us can go to together? So we yeah, can... I think we... I'd, I'd be happy just to go to the pub. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not... I'm not... <laughs> So fussy having to go all the way to Paris for it. But, yeah, anyway. You could visit the in-laws while you're over there, though. But, no one's um, arguing. Mm. No one's arguing. So I think uh, you need to be there for that. Mate, boys, all of you, fantastic. Good, good start chat. to the year. Good chat, lads. Um, chat. Clear audio, too. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's excellent. I especially like hearing myself in my own headsets <laughs> for the first time ever. Um, lots coming up. So next week is uh, the week leading into Race Tasmania. So TCR. S5000 Trans Am will be uh, in action at the Great Simmons Plains Raceway. So we'll do some preview stuff with that. We'll get some yep. drivers in. Um, what else? We'll get our mate Tommy in, I think, for a hashtag Doric guy update uh, because we've got some exciting news that we need to talk about in the world of Doric and what's big- going to happen in 2022. A big name on the owner line, I think, also could be joining us next week as well for a chat. Yes, correct. Our uh, friend Dale Rogers, I think, secured a big interview to kick the year off, which is excellent. So a massive show coming up. Shebex, I I think we should go out with our cool new intro music that we've found. Oh, okay. And maybe run the run the new with voiceover the, Do you guy. want the voiceover as well? Run the voiceover guy as Let's well. Let's do it. Uh, can you run the real Aussie version? Yeah, right. Yeah, this, is, this is a one-off experience, folks. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, boys. I'll catch you next week. And here is our voiceover guy with his real Aussie version. Delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the theracetalk.com, this is On The Grid. Delivering.